Hi there, and welcome to the latest edition of the Jersey Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is brought to you by Fans for Fans, where the content is absolutely free. It's episode 227 of the, the Jersey Podcast. I'm your host tonight, I'm Colin Armstrong. As I say all the time, guys, it's not just the, the podcast that we have here at Jersey. If you get onto the website, you'll find uh, the forums is there, there's articles, uh, there's a history archive on the website as well, so get yourself on that. And we also we would ask you to promote the pod, put the word out there, social media, all that kind of stuff. Tell your friends uh, that we're here and subscribe to the YouTube channel as well, please. I think we're approaching 6,000 uh, subscribers. Uh, before I bring in my guest tonight, uh, we'll have to mention our partners at Forest Precision Engineering who are a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company. They've been a big commercial supporter of Rangers Football Club for many years. We're delighted that they're back in the pod this season, and you can find more information on them at www.forestprecisioninc.com. You can also visit the Forest Precision Executive Lounge, which is a new lounge in the hospitality area within the main stand. If you're looking to get more information on that, if you can email the club at hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Uh, on to my guests now, uh, bring them in. Obviously, a very historic day today in the World Cup final, uh, which I didn't watch. <laughs> so, missed one of the greatest games in history, but there we go, then's the breaks. Uh, we've got Chris Jack uh, and, and Brian. Uh, Chris, how are you? Not bad yourself. I have to ask, why did you not watch the World Cup final? I've not watched any of it. I've just the whole Qatar thing and FIFA. I just winter, everything about it. I was like, fuck them. I'm not watching it. Sorry. So, aye, bit of a sick nerve with the, the game that was today. But uh, no, it, it just wasn't for me, I'm afraid. Nah, you've you've missed out there, Colin. I, I'm actually the same. I didn't really watch that much over the uh, first couple of weeks. The group stage stuff did nothing for me. International football, nine times out of ten. There's nothing for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I watched a few of the England games as as it kind of got through quarter semi, sat and watched them. Uh, but obviously, I really enjoyed the final earlier on. So uh, catch the highlights if you can later on. No, <laughs> I've seen this out. I'm being stubborn. Uh, but someone who has watched them, uh, Brian, you and Eck have been doing the pods, uh, doing the sort of World Cup stuff. Uh, I'm assuming you joined today. I did. Yeah, I watched it all. It was a brilliant game. Probably one of the best that I've ever seen. I've got to say. I know that's. <laughs> <laughs> Easy to see having just watched it, but um, ah, it was it was a real classic. I've got to say, I respect your restraint for actually not watching it, Colin. I've got to say, uh, like uh, I've got I've got to dig out John McCallum here because, especially as the tournament on, it was always that uh, sort of giving me wee messages on the watch. Like, oh, what a game this is! Oh, it's brilliant! And then the day I was getting it, I was getting loads of stuff. I was I was out with the dog, and then I was making dinner, and my son was watching it. And he came in at the end of it going, that's the best game I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, okay, it's going to be a rough couple of few hours getting WhatsApp messages to all my mates telling me, eh, get it up, me. But no, I, you want to know something in all seriousness? I mean, I know it was a great game and stuff like that. I mean, I was, I've always been one for watching the World Cups. You know, I, I actually usually take the first week off. But I've just not felt it at all for this tournament at all. So, no, that is what it is. Uh, looking forward to... I couldn't get to Ibrox through the week there uh, because of the, the train strikes and stuff like that. I couldn't get there. So looking, looking forward to the, the normal football. We'll come back to that uh, and getting this Qatar nonsense out of the way because it's, it's been a bit of a pain. Uh, so guys, we'll, we'll have a wee look at the Hibs game, obviously. We're a couple of days out, just the way the fixtures have, have, have landed. Uh, I thought it would be good to have a look at uh, <laughs> the controversy on Michael Beale's comments about the other team. Uh, and some of the, the hypocrisy around that. And obviously, we'll have a wee look at the Aberdeen game. I think it'll be interesting to see 
how Aberdeen set up on Tuesday based on how they set up, you know, with their 11-man defence yesterday. Uh, so we'll get straight into the Hibs game, Chris. Uh, first game back after the, the break for the World Cup, you know, uh, Beal's first game, or well, his first competitive game. Uh, you know, I think we could say it was a stereotypical game of two halves. I mean, in the first half, you know, Rangers were, were appalling, really. Uh, and you kind of felt, oh, here we go, it's this this sort of farce that sort of surrounds this team is, is, is going to continue. But they, they, they pulled it back well in the second half. You know, really good performance. Uh, we'll come on and speak about some of the sort of key performers in the game. But the overall performance, second half especially, you know, they, they dug deep, showed some character to get back into it, considering, you know, I, I think the kick in the teeth was like 30 seconds after scoring the equaliser, you know, when Nisbet runs up in the park and scores. So, yeah, good performance in terms of the character they showed to come back in the second half. I think character is probably the word to use. Yeah, I think that's the right one to describe it, Colin. Not something that's associated with this team at the moment as well? No, certainly not. It's not, it's not something you can really lavish on them over the last, over the last wee while. But I thought, I thought they did show a wee bit of regret, a wee bit of determination to, to produce that, that second half performance. This first half, they, they went back inside, they had a cup of tea at half time, and it was just like, what's, what have we just watched? Like a shambles at the back, offered very little in the middle of the park, didn't they create enough chances, uh, go aside. Um, and I just thought they were so so far off it. It was unreal. Took us back to Rugby Park a few years ago in Betoddy last year. These now these first games back after the break, coming out slowly. And if Rangers hadn't got a result on, on Thursday, it just out of the narrative would have built. Title race would have been done. Uh, it put so much pressure on them over the next few weeks. So uh, I think that that character was something the manager mentioned post match as well, um, and not. I think you have to say there's a bit of quality in there as well. Some of the goals were good. Some of the individual performances were good. Um, but it was just a case of get the game won, move on to the next one, uh, and don't do anything silly on the, on the manager's debut, which thankfully in the end we didn't. It, Brian, the, uh, I mean, the early stages of the game, I mean, there, there was so much anticipation around because it was Beale's first game. You know, I, I think I've seen an interview prior to the game you know, interviewing fans outside Ibrox and every one of them was giving it, oh, I want to see some attacking football, I want to see some, you know, a change in the style, you know, Gio's style was obviously a, a bit pragmatic, it's probably been generous, uh, if I'm being honest, you know, so loads of people looking for a, a sort of change in style and in that first half, it just felt like nothing had changed. In fact, it felt, I mean, the, the way we were conceding goals in that first half, you know, we've only, I think we've only conceded three goals Ibrox all season up until Thursday night and we conceded two within the first sort of half hour. That centre half pairing, the Lundstrom and Sands looked to be a bit all over the place. And the goal, the first goal from Portis sort of typified that, you know, I, I think Lundstrom loses Portis at the edge of the box. Don't think Tillman uh, does himself, you know, paints himself in, in glory. He's, he, he doesn't really command that. You know, he's not marking anyone. He's just in that six yard box sort of uh, marking the space really. And it just felt like nothing's improved. You know, we're, we're, we're just seeing the same old things time and time again. Yeah, did I actually missed the first 15 minutes of the game. I was I managed to get to Ibrox. I was out at a work night out and I literally walked in the door as we went 2-1 down and I spent the rest of the first half thinking, nothing's improved, this is terrible, same old, yeah, same yeah, old. Yeah. These players, all these players need bend. It's the players' fault, maybe it's got nothing to do with the manager. And I kind of went down that road for the rest of that first half because it was just awful, to be honest. There wasn't really yeah. much good to say about that 
first half. On reflection, and obviously knowing the result and the, the improvement we got in the second half, I'm slightly more willing to give them a pass for a defensive car crash in the first half, just because of the centre-half pairing they had to go with. I think a Lundstrom and Sands at centre-half, that's probably not something he'll want to do again for the rest of the season. I think he was kind of forced into that with the injuries they had, so I'm slightly willing to give them a bit of a pass on that. Um, but pre-game, I was kind of expecting us just to pick up where we left off against Leverkusen. I know it was a friendly and we obviously don't read too much in it, but I was really impressed by how we approached that game and I was kind of really mm. excited to just watch us in our first competitive game and Hibs had been on a really poor run of form. So I was kind of expecting a bit of a show and a few goals and in that first half, it just felt like more of the same. Um, but thankfully, they managed to turn it around in the second half and put in a really good show. Chris, I mean, the, the goal scorer, uh, Portis, Ryan Portis, uh, I mean, obviously he's announced that he's he's leaving Hibs. Uh, there's a lot of talk that he's, it could be, you know, strong rumours that he could be on his way to Ibrox. Uh, I'll come to both of you in this one, uh, but we keen to get your views first. You know, I've got m- my concerns if, if that is the case, if there, if there is a chance that Portis is coming to Rangers. I, I, think, I think the guy showed, okay, he's still young, but his character at Hibs and and, and, and the, the stupid stuff he's, he gets involved in on the park, some of these tackles that have are, are been potential career-ending tackles, in my opinion. Uh, some of the stuff he's got involved off the park as well, you know, nonsense, court appearances, all that kind of stuff. I, ju- I just wonder if th- that type of character would be able to to cope with the, the, the spotlight that, that, that players receive at Rangers. In, in terms of his ability, I, I would slightly question that as well. I mean, he's a good player, obviously. You know, he's an international now. Uh, I think his positional sense is a wee bit off at times. I, I think, you know, we've seen that he can be reckless with his tackling and stuff as well. Uh, but also, you, there's this thing that we need to sign Scottish players to to, to, to comply with this UFR and all that kind of stuff. So, one you know, in your position as a journalist, have you heard anything on, on the Portiesty Rangers? And also, do you think it would be a good move for the club? Uh, somebody that I spoke to the other night did mention that he had heard a, a wee while ago that he was, that Portis was someone that Rangers were looking at. Um, how firm the interest is, I, I don't know. I'd be surprised if Rangers didn't at least have him on a list because he does tick certain boxes. He's young enough, he's got a sell-on value, He's Scottish, he knows the league. Um, there are things there that do point you towards why he would be a good signing. Personally, I don't think he's good enough. I don't think he makes Rangers better right now. And I'm also not sure from his point of view whether it would be the best move for him. I know he mentioned the Sky interview. I think he said it wouldn't go down well or something to that effect. I think if you're Ryan Portis, you go down south, make your name, make your money, and then see where the game can the game can take you, I think, coming into, for a lot of the reasons you mentioned there, Colin, coming into Ibrox, with the, the drama and the headlines that that move would create, there's a lot of pressure on him to then perform. If he doesn't, it's then where does he go next? And I think at his, at his uh, stage of his career, he's as well going down south. He, I think he'd do fairly well in the Championship. He's got, I think he's got uh, capabilities and abilities that would, that would get him a decent team down there, have a couple of years down there, and then see where he's his career takes him. Right now, I don't think he takes Rangers to the level that's that's required. So, personally, I would hope not. 
And, and before before I go over to Brian and, and get his opinion, you were you were talking about the area ticks all the boxes, you know, in terms of being Scottish and all the rest of it. And I get that. If that is the case, because this this is something that slightly bugs me, why was there no interest for Rangers and Lewis Ferguson? Because he, he takes all he takes all the same boxes, doesn't he? Does it though? I mean, well, I suppose Aberdeen well, Rangers could be a controversial move, but I, I just find it odd. I mean, I think the two of them. I know that they play in different positions, but I I I, I just felt Ferguson was a, a, a he's a better player in my opinion than 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 Porteous, and I just find it odd that we weren't we were never in the hunt for him. Something we asked Michael Beal about it last last week before the it must be last Wednesday the pre match presser. He didn't want to get involved in talking about Porteous okay, specifically, but did okay, talk about it's important for Rangers to sign the best young Scottish players. And I've seen it before, like the signing Boyd and signing Whittaker signing Thompson. These guys, these type of signings, I think, do have a place in, in the Rangers squad. It's something that will be on the lower leagues. Celtic made a lot of uh, money from and did well from signing uh, Gary mckay Stephen and that type of uh, that type of player. Uh, also Stuart Armstrong, the probably Armstrong. best example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. They, I think there is a, a market where Rangers should be going and picking the best of Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen, Kelly, if there's anybody coming through. Right now, I just don't know if Portis is at the level that makes him, makes him better. I think Lewis Ferguson would have been. I think Josh Doig would have been. Right now, I don't think Portis has. Um, but that's not to say he's not he's not a good player and he's not got the ability to go on and be a better player. I just think where Rangers are right now, it's probably not the, it's probably not the right move for him. Brian, how do you feel on, on Portis? Does it give you the slight heave or are you, are you, are you open to the prospect? Nah, not for me. I think both for his the off field antics that goes with them and also his on field ability. I just I don't think he improves us. I think he's not any better than what we've got. He would certainly be available more than say a John Suter, but I think John Suter's actually a better defender if he can get him fit. I know that's a different topic in itself, but I just don't think he improves us and I think the baggage that comes with him, I don't think it's worth it. I think he seems determined to sort of play up to that character that he's built around himself in terms of the kind of, you know, hard man act that he plays kind of thing. Yeah. He seems determined to play up to that. And I think when he first broke through Hibs, I actually thought he was a really promising player. And I thought he would, he would have been coachable and he could have improved him. But I think he's let his ego and his character sort of take over. And that's all, he's almost known more for that than what he is, his actual footballing ability. And I just, I just think it's it's a distraction we could do without in the dressing room. I don't imagine the other players would, would take well with that either, having a character like that in the dressing room. And there's also the fact of the way he plays, he would probably get sent off in every match he plays for Rangers, just given how we are refereed and, and how he tends to play in terms of the tackles that he goes in for. You know, we've seen him already put in some horror challenges that, that go unpunished at times. You know, if he was at Rangers, he'd be getting, he'd be getting sent off every other game. Yeah, I, I do think he would be getting referee to a different standard. There's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, yeah, I've, I've got. A, I, I genuinely have a feeling that this might happen, but uh, we'll, we'll see. And, and you know what? If it does happen, they maybe will turn out to be a good player. You know, he's certainly a strong character, which is something I think you need to be a Rangers player. But I have my doubts. I really do. I just, I, I, I think the point that you made, Brian, about him, does he really improve us? I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure he does. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what comes out uh, in the wash for that one. Uh, Chris, on to the, the, the Rangers equaliser, uh, you know, Sakala, good finish, you know, 
takes on his right foot, switches on to the left, far corner, good finish. But I wanted to focus on Ryan Kent because Ryan Kent sort of, you know, he got the assist. It was him that sort of, and I thought he might have took a shot on himself actually, but he, you know, he's put out wide, made the right decision. Uh, there was one or two wee signs on on uh, Thursday night. I thought that Ryan Kent had that sort of attacking intent in his game again. Something that I don't think we've seen for a while. I've seen a lot of stuff on social media recently. People posting clips, for, particularly the, the 55 season of, of Brian Kent being really direct, past players, you know, one-twos, getting it back, shifting it in, scoring. You're actually looking at these clips thinking, he's, he's nothing like that anymore. But I, I don't think he, he, he hit anywhere near you know, those heights on, on Thursday night, but just one or two wee hints that he was prepared to take a player on. Uh, and do you think that's maybe something that Beal might encourage, you know, maybe the fact that it's a different man in charge now, maybe, you know, part of Gio's tactical setup was, you know, to, to sort of put the, the reins on Kent a wee bit and say, no, you don't need to do that. Can you see Kent improving under Beal in terms of going back to the sort of performances that we got, got from him, you know, a couple of seasons back? I think if anyone's capable of getting that Ryan Kent back, it should be Michael Beale. Um also a great relationship over many years, not just not just that Rangers. I think a lot of Kent's trouble over the last you know, it's not just this this season going into last season as well. I think it's a confidence thing. He doesn't look to have that same belief in himself yeah. that he can go and beat go and beat one, go and beat two, put in a good ball, or go and beat one or two and then get a shot away and score goals. His his numbers speak for themselves over the last over the last year or so. Um and I think he's that, that's why he really frustrates the fans because we all know how good he, he can be. We know what kind of threat he can he can bring to he can bring to the team. Michael Beale certainly knows that as well. So I would think if there's anyone if there's any coach that can get the best out of Kent again and potentially get Ryan Kent to gain a contract to stay at the club, I think it will be Michael Beale. So hopefully, over the next uh, couple of weeks, we start to see Kent looking a bit more lively again, a bit more uh, like himself again. And if he do, if he does do that, you know, we all know what a great player he can be on his on his day. Do, do you think it's got anything to do with the previous management team? Because we all remember that clip from very, very early on when the players were doing the sort of, you know, the training routine and, and Kent tried something and uh, Roy Mackay said tricks are for the circus. He sort of had a wee word with him as if, you know, tricks are for the circus. So do you feel that it has been that that, that, that sort of management team that have, that's maybe had that detrimental effect on his confidence? Somebody actually mentioned that to me so last week and the week before in terms of, the, if you look at the, the players that Gio spoke about, it almost called Ryan Kent out a few times and said, like, I, I demand more from him. Most of the players he was really defensive of. But when it came to Kent, he was always pushing out, always wanting more. I don't think he really, like, gave him such a hard time, certainly in public anyway. Uh, I don't know if that's just because Gio expected more from him and wanted him also to get back to those get back to those levels. But I think there's, again, Michael, maybe said it that earlier, a change of manager can do different things to different players. Some guys their head goes down and thinks, right, I just want out here. Other guys, I can really just rejuvenate them and give them a, game, uh, a clean slate and a real okay, fresher breath air. Uh, uh, so ho- hopefully, there's, hopefully there's a bit of improvement in, in Kent to come. Um, I say, and, and time tell what happens on the on the contract front. Because um, in a purely, a purely financial sense, 
they can't afford to lose somebody who they spent seven million pounds on. Yeah. And from a, a team perspective, where do you go and find somebody who you know right now? I think he's, he's replaceable. And if if they had somebody else that could play that left wing role um, over the last wee while, I think he would have found himself out the out the team. Um, but on his, on his game, Rangers will be going really well to to try and bring somebody in that's better than him. Brian, what we get the equaliser? You know, we've we've huffed and puffed for the majority of that first half. We get the equaliser, and normally in those circumstances, you think, well, that's it. That will reset the team. They'll they'll start to up the the tempo and the pace and start to go. And after they show you the the, the replay, that you know, it shows you Nisbet running through and scoring. Now, I, I do think. I mean, at the time, I was I was angry at the again that centre defensive partnership between Lundstrom and Sands. You know, I, I thought it looked really poor. But when you saw the replay from behind the goal, you know, Tillman tries to block it and, and changes the, the sort of trajectory of the ball. I think where it lands, it takes Sands out of the game and it leaves Lundstrom with too much ground to cover. And so I think a wee bit unlucky, but it just added to that sense of farce when it comes to this team. You know, they get themselves back into the game. You think this is us. Go again, start to get control of the game, go for the win. And the minute the, the play comes back up, you know, Nisbet's running through to make it 2-1. Yeah, it really wasn't great. Um, I think it just highlighted the real problems in the centre of that defence. The Lundstrom and Sands weren't really playing as a pair. He didn't have one going to attack the ball and then one dropping off. Neither of them seemed to know what their role was in that pair. So I think that contributed to it as well. And obviously the deflection has a massive impact on it. And, you know, Nisbet runs through and it's a good finish. But you never want to be conceding straight after scoring. But then... Yeah. You know, I guess you need to give a team credit for coming back and you know pushing to get the equaliser and then the winner. But definitely problems in that centre of defence. I mean, in that first half, it was. I mean, it wasn't just that that goal itself. You know, obviously there was a first goal as well, but there was two or three occasions after that where yeah. it really did feel really vulnerable in that, in that sort of central defence area. They seem to they seem to struggle with high balls as well. Nisbet yeah. was winning a lot in the air, and I guess that was again down to them not playing as a pair. You know, neither of them knew what one was to go and attack the ball and what one was to sit back and sweep up. They they obviously hadn't trained on it a lot. It was clearly a last minute decision because of an injury to King, so it was clear to see that you know they hadn't practiced it or they hadn't played that way in training. So. It's kind of in hindsight, it's difficult to be too critical because I guess they were just thrown in and told to kind of do the best they could, and Nisbet took full advantage of it at times. Um, and I guess at half time they got the chance to kind of tweak it, and I guess Bill sat them down and kind of defined their roles a bit more, and and they seemed to cope a bit better in the second half. But I guess the whole team kind of upped their game in the second half, so that helped. Um, but it's definitely a partnership we won't want to be seen again. I would say. No, 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 I mean, hopefully, I mean, I mean, there was talk last week in, in Beal's uh, presser about you know a lot some of the players at centre half coming back. Uh, I think Golson's key in that area, obviously. Uh, so yeah, hopefully there'll be enough players coming back that that that, that, that pairing's not seen for, for for quite some time. Uh, the second equaliser, uh, Chris. You know, we'll, we'll come on and talk about Tillman because I, I thought he was probably the most impressive player on the night and uh, you know I, I would say there's an argument to to start building a team around him if, if possible uh, you know his involvement in, the, in the, the equaliser was key you know good flick on probably got up better than he uh, or in a, in a way that he should have done at the first goal for Hibs you know got up one ahead I flicked on to Ryan Jack bit of a tap in for sort of three four yards uh, however Ryan Jack you know that's another player with uh, 
sort of contractual issues at the moment, and he's he's, he's sort of been in the, the press over the last couple of days saying uh, that the club haven't approached him uh, in terms of a new deal. His deal's up in the summer, and it kind of makes you think. I, I, I mean, if I was Ryan Jack, I would I would be slightly concerned about that, especially when you consider he's. His injury record over the last sort of season, two seasons especially, you know. I mean, I think we, we could all agree that Ryan Jack, when he was at his absolute peak, was a great player for Rangers. The problem was he, he just wasn't on the park enough, you know, his, his injury record let him down. So do you think there's, there's a real possibility that he could be away at the end of the season? Because it seems unusual for a club to get to this stage of proceedings and not even had discussions with, with the player and his agent about, you know, new terms and stuff like that. I was part of the uh, Sunday guys that I actually spoke to uh, Ryan after the game, and they seemed quite relaxed about the whole about the whole situation. Didn't seem to uh, be phasing him or uh, be overly concerned about it. I think his relationship with the manager plays a big part in that. Um, cause I asked him if he had anything to prove in terms of fitness or that type of thing. He said, "Look, oh, no, the manager knows what I can do. We know how uh, the game should be played under him." Uh, I think they probably put him in the same bracket as. Arfield, Davis, McGregor, like the older guys. If you look at when those contracts got sorted heading into this season, it was really late on. I know Ryan's not at that same age, uh, but Ross Wilson spoke about it a couple of weeks ago in terms of the contract uh, profile of the squad and kind of defended the handling of it. And when he was then talking about your, your older players, he didn't like name names, but he was talking about how you, you handle the older guys and it makes sense to do them at, at the end of the season. I think Ryan probably falls into that into that group so I wouldn't read too much into it right now because it, it's not as if he's in the situation of somebody's going to come and put an offer on the table the second week in January and he'll go and sign it and he'll, he'll go and move he wants to he wants to be at Rangers um, and I think he would only sign on elsewhere or look at the possibility of a move elsewhere if Rangers made it clear that they didn't want to and they want to hold on to him I think it'll probably be a late one um, see how much he plays second half of the season see how his fitness is and really see what, what the manager's plans are in terms of that midfield area because there, there could well be a bit of movement in that. If you look at Marcel Davis coming to the end of his contract again, same with Arfield, Glenn Kamara, I think this is probably his last season. You think it Ryan into that as well. So there will be a bit of movement in the in the middle of the park. I think it's certainly an area Rangers do need to look at. Is Ryan Jack going to be a starter next season? I would highly doubt it. Does fully fit Ryan Jack have a part to play in a squad. I think he still does, and I wouldn't be against giving him another another year just to just to hammer around the place. Brian, would you agree with that? Because I'm 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 slightly uh, I wouldn't say I disagree with it, but his injury record is a concern to me. I must admit, and and to to offer him another deal when you consider the, the amount of games that he's missed over the last few years, I think that's that that's what makes him different from for me for for someone like Scott Arfield who you know is, is is fairly robust when it comes to injuries and that, you know, we all know he's not a starter, we all know he's, 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 he's just going to be a squad player, get the odd start here and there. When I think of Ryan Jack doing that, my worry is, well, is he actually ever going to be fit enough to, to, to be a squad player? Because the amount of time that he's, he's had out of late is a concern for him. Yeah, I think it'll be a concern for the club as well and it'll probably be the reason why they've left it so late is, as Chris said, to wait and see how much he plays this season. Um, we all know that Ryan Jack's a quality player and on his days, you know, he probably, you know, definitely gets a starting jersey in that centre of the park. Um, we've seen it, especially under uh, Gerard at times as well. You know, we all know that Gerard absolutely loved him. The problem was he, 
he just couldn't stay fit. The other kind of aspect I wonder about is he's, he's classed as a homegrown player, so they might want to keep him around to fill that quota as well. We obviously need a certain quota of you know home trained players, um, so he falls into that bracket as well. So I guess that's something that goes in his favour. But um, I think they're probably just waiting to see is he over his injuries. You know, can he put a sustained run of games together? And I'm guessing if they can, they would they would happily off him another year. But um, I'm a bit like like Chris in that if he can prove his fitness and that he's over his injuries, then I would happily see him be given another year. On to the winner, uh, Chris uh, Tillman again. I mean, the feet, such good feet. Really, really good. Good ball through for Tav. Really good feet for Tillman. Uh, sets up Morelos, uh, who'd... It, I think everybody was a wee surprise he started and then I think it was the following day we found out that Cholak had, had sort of pulled his calf, I think it was. Uh, and and so Morelos made the sort of starting lineup. His contract's also up at the end of the season, so a lot of business to be done uh, come come the summer. How do you feel about him? Because we had this discussion last week with Doogie and he was sort of saying, you know, you know, with Beal coming back in, could he be the guy to, you know, put a put a light under Morelos and get him firing again and all this kind of thing. And I was kind of like, well, how many times are we going to have this conversation about Morelos? How many times are we going to say, is, is, you know, can we get him restarted and get him back to that form in sort of 2019? My problem with Morelos is he just continually lets us down on the park, off the park. You, you get a run of games out of him and he scores and then it all goes pear-shaped as pear. And I, I just wonder how many chances we're going to give the guy a okay, I understand that you don't want a guy walking out the, the door for free, but I must admit, I'm struggling with Morelos these days. It, it just, it's, it's just starting to irritate me uh, because he just lets us down time and time again. No, I, I wrote a piece during the week basically saying, basically saying that, Colin, on, on his day, great player. On his day, one of the best in the league and can be one of the best at a certain level in, in European competition, as we've seen, as he's proven. But it's that nagging thing of if you give him a contract is his head in it is his heart in it do at some stage his teammates must be getting thoroughly fed up with not not turning up in, in big games or the issues also they had run about the uh, PSV game at, at the start of the season is how many chances how, how many chances can you keep giving the one one player how often can you keep saying hi but he's done this and he can do it again I think at some point you just need to cut your losses and say right thanks you've been in, in terms of value for money, he's been brilliant for us. It's a shame that he put up, he'll probably walk out the door for no fee and come the end of the season because, again, he could have been a 12, 15, 18, 20 million pound player at the right at the right time to the right buyer. That's also not going to happen. That's a sore one for us. I just think at some point you need to almost move on from him and say, look, he's done really well for us. Great memories. But how many times have we got to the stage of he's done, I'm fed up with him. You think after getting sent off at Parkhead, the PSV situation as earlier on this season, I think at some point he runs a risk of really, even the fans that are on his side and that really like him and that want him to stay, everybody's got a breaking point with him. I do just wonder if it's maybe time for a fresh a fresh start and for Rangers to go and try and uh, find the next man, to find the next talisman, to go and try and find the next Alfredo and say, look, thanks, but okay, thanks, but no thanks on him. I think it's a lack of ambition because like. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about the the, the final game, especially that that UEFA Cup run that season. The teams he scored against, obviously Porto and Feyenoord, and you know that night in Rotterdam, 
I remember saying to my son after the celebrations, I think it was when we went 2 or up, I was like, he's the best Ranger striker I can remember in years, you know what I mean? We're going to get a fortune for this guy. And it's just never happened. He's, he's, he's got this amazing ability to just cut his own neck, or well, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but he, you know, he, he undermines his own his own ability with his with his lifestyle choices and with his attitude on the park. And I, I just I, I just think his career's not reached the potential that, that, it, that it could have reached. You know, I mean, obviously he's at a top club, he's, he's earning top money at, at Rangers, but I, I think he could have went another couple of rungs up. I really do. No, I think so. And I think one day the penny might drop for him that yes, he's done very well, he's made his money, he's made his name. I just wonder if at that grade, after that 19 season he mentioned, after 20, after winning 55, that was the time for him to sort of kick on and go again at a bigger club at a higher level and really go and show what he can do. I think he's, I know he's still young and or 25, 26, he's still got loads of time ahead of him if he wants it. But he's almost in danger of ruining the ruining the chance now and I think it's probably best for him to actually go and try somewhere else and go to Spain or Portugal or uh, somewhere and go and say right this is almost trying to reinvent himself again um, so I think it'd be a shame to see him go financially it'd be a huge blow now you think back to some of his great performances and goals everybody wants him to do well and if he's the type of guy he'll not, not kick his own arse for the next six weeks he'll score there'll be a motivational quote on Instagram or Twitter and everybody gets back on side and he'll do a bit of bad slumping it's great everybody gets back on side he'll score in two or three games and you think right he's back but then you just revert back to yeah. he's off. And it's just like at at some point you almost just get fed up with going through the going through the Manelo cycle. And as as great as he is, if the team at his best, as much as I like watching him, as good as he has been for Rangers, I just think we're almost at that stage of do you just need to say like no, it's exactly thanks, but no thanks. Want to tell me, Brian, who very much won. For the future, I think yeah, he's had his critics this season, and I would say some of it deserved. You know, he, he, sometimes I would say he, he lacks a wee bit of heart and all the rest of it. But I think you have to remember he's only a young boy, and I think we've seen enough this season to, to suggest that this boy is going to be a, you know a proper talent and could be one that could maybe go you know for big money in the future. You know, I mean, he's, he, the the two assists. On, on Thursday night, the second one especially, as, as I was saying to Chris there, the feet, how he moves his feet was tremendous. Obviously got the two goals against Leverkusen the previous week. There's definitely signs there that he, he could be the, the player that we, we should be building a team around. Yeah, Chris spoke about Rangers potentially needing a new talisman if Morelos was to move on. I think Tillman's the, the one you would look to to build that team around and kind of be that creative force and that creative spark. Um, I think his, his talent's been undoubted. I think, you know, he came through the Bayern Munich Youth Academy. He's, he's obviously got talent and there's a player in there. I just I think he's just taken a bit of time to adapt to Scottish football and the physicality of it. Um, but once he, once he kind of settles into that, I think the sky's the limit for him and, and Rangers could make real big money on him. Um, you know, you can see his balance with that, as you said, that second assist, the sheer balance just to stay on his feet and then find the pass that he wanted to find, you know, that's you know, not many players can do that in the, in Scottish football and he's got the ability to really unlock a defence in those kind of tight games where teams park the bus and you're having to, you know, play those kind of intricate passes to try and break them open he's the, he's the one that we can look to to do that, um, so yeah, I think you know, the, 
the signs are really bright for him and the fact that we've got that obli- that kind of the option first refusal to or first option to buy him I think it's a huge thing because um, we could make some real big money on him yeah I, I, I think he looks I think he looks a real deal uh, and I think the more he I mean I think some people forget it's it's not just the football that people you know players need to get used to they need to adapt to their new home their new surroundings you know he's, he's moved to a new country uh, you know a young boy it takes time I think you know and don't get me wrong there has been times when he's looked uh, a little bit off it but I, I've seen enough to, to have me convinced that you know this this boy's got a, a really a really good future with us Chris penalty claim for Hibs uh, <laughs> I have to say, if it was the other way about, I think I'd be claiming for it. I think there's maybe a wee shove on James Sands just just prior to it. Uh, but what, what did you think? It wasn't as the one that I noticed at the time. At the time, and not I, a huge no, amount of players claimed for it. To be fair, you know what I mean. It wasn't really that big a that big an appeal for the Hibs guys. There's nobody on from Rangers' perspective looking around thinking, "No, oh, we've got away with one there." Lee Johnson has to come back after he's done his, his presser. Lee Johnson came back in afterwards. Come back in, yeah. Just to say, look, did, did they actually see this? Um, a couple of the boys had seen a, had seen a clip on their phone and said, I don't know, we think it's a penalty. Having seen it again, if it had been up the other end, I think you'd be claiming for it. Uh, I think the phrase is, I've seen them given. <laughs> Certainly since the, the introduction of the TV evidence as well, or the, uh, the VAR. So I think they maybe get away with one now. Um, but no, these. As I say, these things even themselves out over the course of the season, I'm sure. Yeah, going to Masons, that's what I say. That's one for all the Celtic fans watching. Uh, on to Beal, uh, Brian, you know, after the game, he, he sort of said that he knows he's got a, a job on, you know, and he said that the players know that as well, that they appreciate there's, there's a lot of work to do to get back to the sort of levels that this, this, this group have displayed in the past. He also talked about which I find quite interesting uh, about anxiety within the players. You know, he, he could sense at half time they were anxious. They know. I mean, I don't think the league's done, right? I don't think nine points is insurmountable. But you know, you've pretty much there's there's no more chances now. You know, I mean, you, you've pretty much got to go on a run uh, and and hope that Celtic drop points. If, if, if we are still going to drop points, then then that's it. And. It, it, it seems obvious that that's affecting the players. You know that that prospect of you know dropping more points and falling further behind is, is is having an impact. So it seems to me it's it's, it's not just about in terms of the, the ability, in terms of what they can show on the park. It's about the mental side as well. It's about being able to take on the the responsibility and deal with the pressure because they've put themselves in this 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 situation. As I said, the margin of error is pretty much gone. Uh, so that's that's something that that we all need to work on, you know, giving these guys the belief that they they, they can go on a run and they, they can close the gap. Yeah, I think you know the fact that there's now no more room for error. You can understand how that would you know kind of produce the anxiety in the players. Um, that's totally understandable. Um, but I think you know Bill knows how good these players can be. That's probably a benefit of him being there before. As if anyone can get the best out of these players, it's probably him because he's seen them at their absolute best when they produced that unbeaten season so he knows what they're capable of producing and he, he's obviously watched what they've been producing and he kind of knows they're capable of much better and you've got to imagine the confidence must have been on the floor when he came in in terms of those last few performances under Gio you know the players must have been at you know an all time low in terms of their confidence so he's got a bit of a job on to kind of build that confidence back up and just get them enjoying their football again you could see that 
the one thing that stood out to me under those last few games under G was they just weren't enjoying their football. You could visibly see it watching them. They just weren't enjoying their job, essentially. They, they just Everything felt like a struggle. Every pass they had to make, they were overthinking. You know, they weren't making the right decisions most of the time. It just Everything just felt like hard work. So he's got a lot of work on to just kind of rebuild that confidence and get them playing with a bit of freedom and enjoying themselves again. Hopefully the win and the way it came about in terms of having to dig deep and show that character will prove to be a kind of galvanising um, thing in terms of going forward. Obviously going behind twice isn't something you want to do all that often, but it could prove to be a benefit in this instance in terms of giving that bit of confidence and just building that character that they'll need going forward. I mean, does this sort of, we've spoken about this in the show before, Brian, does this maybe point to a mentality issue? Because we're talking about a group of players that were in a European final just a few months ago. But the difference between the European stage and the domestic stage is there's zero expectation yeah. in terms of the European stage. You know, no one expected Rangers to get to that European final. So that group are going into every game full of belief because the, the, the burden's on the other team most of the time, you know, especially when you're going up against the likes of Dortmund uh, and Leipzig and the likes, you know, so the pressure's all on the other team. Is that maybe part of the issue here that domestically the pressure's on Rangers, the expectations on, on those guys to, 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 to get the results? I think so, yeah. And to be honest, we've, we've heard Rangers players say it, you know, Ryan Kent said it in the build-up to the final, Europa League final, that they prefer playing in Europe because the pressure's off them, you know, they, they prefer playing without the pressure when when they're the underdogs almost and they can kind of spring a surprise. They prefer that, you know, we all know why Rocks can be a difficult place to play, especially when it's not going your way, you know, the fans can mm-hmm. get on your back, that's that's no, you know, secret. Um, and it must be a difficult atmosphere to play under. And it's, it, I think it's one of Michael Beale's biggest jobs is to try and get the players kind of on side with that and just getting them, playing with more confidence in that atmosphere. Um, and hopefully we've seen a bit of a start of that on Thursday night in terms of, you know, it wasn't there, so I'm not sure what the atmosphere was like for that first half, but given the kind of half-time you did hear, some, there was some audible boos that came through the um, on the telly, so the atmosphere couldn't have been, you know, fantastic at half-time, but they still managed to dig deep and pull out the win. And I think they've just got to take the positives from that. Uh, what final point on uh, Thursday night? Chris, Adam Devine, you know, he said to fill in at left back. Obviously, Borner's away, Yilmaz is out for, I reckon they said, was it 12 weeks? It's the worst possible uh-huh. uh, grade of, of hamstring injury that he, that he got. And I, th- I think he's had six or seven of those those 12 weeks out. So it's obviously, it's going to be a few weeks before we see him again. I don't know if Borner will be back in time for the game at Pathology. I'm not quite sure. Uh, but on, on Thursday night there, the young the, the boy Divine found in well, you know, that's not his natural position. He's he's a right back, obviously. I thought he'd done well. And Bill was saying in the, in the press afterwards, you know, that, that he's a boy that they always had high hopes for previously. They always felt that that, that he, he had a an opportunity to, to make it. Certainly hasn't, you know, done his he's sort of caused any harm with his performances over the last couple of games. I mean, if Borna wasn't to be back for, for Tuesday night at Pataudry, would you be happy to, to throw the young boy in there? It's short of me taking my boots up to Aberdeen. I don't think I've got much choice but to play him, have I? <laughs> <laughs> I know that, but are you happy doing it? That's the point. Uh, no, I think, I, I think he's, he's shown enough in the last couple of games to show that he, he can go in there and he'll, he'll certainly not let the side down. Um, 
it's tricky for him also playing on that side. It's not the it's not the side he's he's used to. Um, not the not the side that people thought um, of him getting in the in the team. Uh, but I thought it was it was impressive. Though. He got he got Mary the match, which I think has maybe been a wee bit kind to him because that was Malik Tillman with all. Yeah, with all I, thought, the strength, but, yeah. Uh, I think it was a, a nice touch for him to uh, to get it. I think he certainly deserved the uh, recognition. The manager spoke well about him after the game, so I think there's there's definitely a player in there. I think he's someone that the club and the fans can can be excited about. Um, again, I think the manager spoke about him getting in that Nathan Patterson role, almost of coming through, and then also trying to push a an established uh, first team player. Um, I know Tav spoke last week about not wanting to miss games, but I think second half of the season, certainly Scottish Cup, and obviously depending on how the league season goes, I think Devine has shown that if Tav was to miss the game either there, he can more than step in and and do a good job for the team. So uh, really excited to see how how he develops and playing. At, at this level in these games are a bit of pressure on even playing at a position it might just be the making of them it's, it's challenges it's different things for them to they have to also take on and, and try and adapt to so uh, this this run much like it was with Leon King at the, at the start of the season you throw these boys in see how they do and if they can come through this period of adversity if you like it really could be the making of them at Rangers Right guys on to, on to uh, some other topics that have, have been Hanging around in the Ibrox for the last week or so. Uh, the main one being this controversy around Michael Beale's comments. So, Brian, Beale, he, he was asked uh, going into the Hibs game uh, about will they close the nine point gap, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and he basically says, uh, it'll only make up the nine, we will only make up the nine point gap if we win and something happens to the other team. At the moment, all we can do is take care of tomorrow, which was Hibs. Uh, now the reaction. Uh, I mean, Andy Walker's spat the dummy. Uh, Hugh Keevans has spat the dummy. Uh, both have criticised them for a lack of respect. Uh, now, when you consider some of the stuff that's been going on over the road from the other team, uh, I mean, the stadium announcer won't say our name when we play there. Uh, when we score a goal at Celtic Park or at Ibrox against them, you know, their official t- Twitter account gives it goal to the opposition, all that nonsense. It's slim, it seems uh, very cheeky and a bit hypocritical to be talking about a lack of respect when you consider some of the nonsense that's come out of that crowd over the, over the last oh, number of years. Yeah, I think it just goes to show you how kind of parochial and kind of petty our league is in terms of the whole controversy around this how everybody's kind of coming out to criticise Beale for a lack of respect when Celtic haven't been able to refer to us by name for years as you said you know the stadium announcer doesn't say our name when we play them the social media team don't say our name when we score goals against them you know it's it's a bit of a storm in a teacup this and, month. And they, they, don't, they don't use the old firm term. Yeah, they're not, they're not half of anything apparently. They're not half of anything. One club since 1888. <laughs> uh, it's, all, it's all just kind of... Just, it's just a nothing story really for me. There's, there's nothing really in it. I don't see it as a lack of respect. I don't see it as like a cheap shot or anything. It's just a bit of a nothing story. It's quite funny for me. But yeah, I, I don't really see why everybody gets kind of up in arms about it. Uh, Chris, as, 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 as a member of the Fourth Estate, this looks like uh, the sort of stuff that you thrive in, you know, just making stories where none exist. Uh, for Andy Walker and Hugh Keevans, and, and obviously 
the Celtic Twitter at her all or all after not as well. Again, I agree with Brian. That uh, this is this is a nothing story, and and, and what, what pisses me off about it is is the the hypocrisy. You know, you consider some of the stuff that we've already mentioned about the stadium announcer, Twitter accounts, and all the rest of it. They're not able to refer to us to name at all. And for Andy Walker and Hugh Evans, we both we, we know who they lean towards uh, when it comes to the old firm. Uh, it just feels it's petty nonsense. If Michael Beale needed a reminder of what life in Glasgow is like, he's got it in the first fortnight of how, yeah. how, how petty and silly it can be at times. You you mentioned the word there, gone nonsense. I don't see anything in this at all. That's not. It wasn't being disrespectful. It wasn't trying to be to be sly. It wasn't trying to have a a, a dig or anything. It was just the way that he phrased he phrased the answer, and his answer was perfectly perfectly reasonable. Basically saying we need to win all our games, and then we need to wait and see what happens. Whether he said the other team or whether he said Celtic, it was obvious who he was who he was referring to. There was nothing in his answer at all, and I don't quite see why this one has been blown into something that it's it's clearly not a good old fashioned storm on a teacup. Right, guys, on a Tuesday night, uh, Petodre, uh obviously always a tricky place to go to, uh, Petodre, uh, and it would it would seem, given new manager bounce and all the rest of it. Maybe we're going there in a better frame of mind, but I'm all I am always a wee bit nervous uh, heading up there. I must admit. Uh, so Tuesday night, eight pm, live on Sky Sports. Uh, we obviously need the three points to to to, to keep the the sort of gap where it is. Anything else than that? Then, as I said earlier on, the margin for error is 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 pretty much gone. Want to talk about Aberdeen though, Chris? Uh, you know they were they were on the the end of a one 0 defeat yesterday. Very late goal from Callum McGregor uh, and Jim Goodwin was on the end of some some real heavy criticism. Pretty much, I mean, I was getting mates texting me before the game kicked off, you know, saying how the team selection and how it looked like they were setting up was being ultra-defensive compared to how they, they, they play against us. Wally Miller has described it as a, a surrender. <laughs> a, a surrender to Celtic, which, you know, if the, if the king of Aberdeen is coming out and having a pop, then uh, then, then you're in sort of sugarly, sugarly ground. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see Chris, how they how they line up uh, on on Tuesday night compared to that, and this that, this is when it pisses me off about Aberdeen. You know what I mean? That if if they want to have a rivalry with us, that that's fine. But to to have the sort of varying levels of of performances, you know, so they set up ultra defensive yesterday. Apparently, there was audible boos at half time from the home support. You know, they even they weren't happy with, with how things were going. And on Tuesday night, we know what we're going to get. They're, they're going to come at us well, everything. You know, they're going to throw everything, including the kitchen sink at us uh, on Tuesday night. It's, it's all a bit dodgy, isn't it? Ryan Jack said in his, his Sunday interview the other day there that when he was at, up there as a Aberdeen player, Rangers was the biggest game of the season by a million percent. And this was the one that the fans and uh, the manager also did it against at the time. This was the one that they looked forward to. This was their game. And he'd never really got that same feeling about when they play Celtic, they've always think that Rangers is their is their cup final. When Celtic come to town, they just don't they just don't see it the same. Um I dare say Jim would have probably argued if they'd held out for another five minutes and they got an L now and they got their point, the means were justified the end and it, and it would have been fine. But if you're Aberdeen on fairly decent run of form, got aspirations of finishing third and getting to cup finals and all sorts, surely Celtic, fresh from a break, uh, Player, players coming back surely that's a good chance to go and take the game to them and try and 
and try and beat them and end what's not been a good run against them. I just didn't see what he was hoping to what he was hoping to achieve and how he thought it would it would go well for him. Because uh, if, even if he if he had got his point, there was still been criticism at the at the manner in which they got it. And I now think he's having done that once. There's no way he'll do that again on Tuesday night. It'll be a completely different, completely different Aberdeen. Um, and we'll, we'll know how okay, tricky it could be for Rangers on, on Tuesday night. I still think we've, we've got enough to come through it. Uh, but I think it'll be a very, very different game. So, so Brian, what, what do you think the, the motivation was for Celtic fan Jim Goodwin to set up in, in, in that way against Celtic? I can't imagine what the motivation may have been. Um, I can't think. But, I mean... We, we know Goodwin tends to prefer playing a defensive system anyway. Maybe not that defensive, but generally I think he is quite a defensive manager. So I wasn't necessarily surprised to hear that he'd, he'd set up defensively and to try and contain them. Um, I'm sure on Tuesday night he'll come out a bit and try, try and go for us. For me, I'd prefer to just Rangers focus on Rangers. I think we sometimes treat these games like we're playing Real Madrid sometimes and we don't treat them the way we should, where for me, we've got better players than them. If we turn up on the night, we should be capable of turning them over um, with a bit to spare. Um, so I'm hoping that Michael Beals of the mind that he focuses on us, doesn't get drawn into too much of a battle and a fight or a scrap, and we just play our football and come away with the three points. And, and Chris, I mean, in, in terms of Beal, you know, uh, I mean, when Aberdeen come to Ibrox, I, I don't feel like I'm going to a game that's a derby if you know what I mean like there's some sort of rivalry it just doesn't feel like that type of game obviously the games at Pataudry are slightly different but for Beal I mean if he was to get a victory up there that would that would be a huge boost you know in, in, in a very early stage he's, he's, he's managerial career at Ibrox to go up to Aberdeen you know a club that we all know they hate Rangers with with, with a passion uh, as we said earlier on Jim Goodwin probably won't set up the way he set up yesterday you know he'll come out more attacking it'll be a bit blood and thunder you know if, if, if Beal comes out of that with three points better still if he goes up there and puts on a performance and comes away with three points it would be a huge boost uh, uh, for, for his early sort of stages his career at Ibrox No definitely I think that's one of the advantages of his prior knowledge of the league and of Rangers, he won't be surprised by a bit of blood and thunder at uh, Pataudry anymore. I think he's early on and he's uh, when he was here with Stephen Jed, I think that, that first season it did take him a while to figure out that Easter Road is different, Pataudry's different, and going up to St Johnson, difficult going to Livingston on, on that pitch. It took them a while to figure out all the various nuances of going away to different grounds. That certainly won't be the case this time around. That squad had also been or most of the squad have been over the over the course and distance as well, and know exactly what's it, what's it and what it's all going to be about. So I think as I, I fancy Rangers to go up there and uh, get a good result, uh, get the win to try and just try and keep this momentum building. Um, I think you will see a, a, an improved performance from Thursday night as well. Um, just a couple of more days on the on the training ground, a bit more time to get the ideas into them. And if they can go up there and get a result and a performance, as you say, it would be it would really be a guilty statement of intent win. And Brian, final point, uh, you know, Chris talks there about momentum, you know, and, and that's kind of what it's all about. I think obviously the, the first priority at the moment is to keep that 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 gap at nine points until we get them at Ibrox and then see what we can do there. So get a win up there, keeps that momentum going, gives the team confidence and, and we move into that Christmas period, you know, on the up. Yeah, that's the main priority. Is a, 
a win on Tuesday night would be massive. Yeah, in an ideal world, we want to be winning all our games up to and including the old forum game, and then just see where that takes us. Yeah, that's all we can do for now is just take care of our own business. We know the gaps there, but the only way we can reduce it is by keep winning our games and put pressure on them, and then when we come to play them, get the three points, and then that gap starts to reduce, and we just see how they handle the pressure. I'd be interested to see if we can just apply that bit of pressure. Just let's just see how they handle it. They've not really had that kind of scoreboard pressure um, since um, their new managers came in. Um, so it'll be interesting just to see how they how they handle it when when they're the ones being chased down. So if we can manage to reduce that gap, um, the other side of the new year, then we'll just see where that takes us. And you never know, it's football; anything can happen. Absolutely, and on that positive note, we'll wrap things up for tonight. So, uh, a big thanks to uh, Chris and Brian there for their contributions. Great stuff, as always. We were live tonight on the Sunday night, but the show will be available to download, uh, download, download and stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher, Spotify, your usual places. Uh, we'll have a, a show out on Thursday night, I believe, Wednesday, Thursday night. John's hosting uh, with Patrick as the guest, so tune in for that. Uh, in the meantime, get yourself onto the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. I don't believe I'm back on before Christmas, so uh, have a nice Christmas, guys. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a good period uh, through that through that time, and hopefully, close the gap on on that shower over all the, the other team, as we like to call them now. Uh, so, until the next time, guys. Bye for now.